ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas, f- or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet at us, at SFDiocese, and use the hashtag Ignition. Again, the Twitter handle for the diocesan account is at SFDiocese, and use the hashtag Ignition. Uh, so we are here in the, as you're listening to this, as it's broadcast on Lamb Catholic Radio, we are uh, nearing the end of the third week of Advent, and I have with me um, Father Joseph Scholten, who was on Ignition earlier this fall. How are you doing this fine winter day, Father Scholten? I'm doing Doing great, Dr. Bergwald. It's good to be with you. It's Happy great. Advent. Happy Advent to you as well. So uh, I guess people uh, didn't have a chance to listen to your previous appearance on Ignition. Would you mind introducing yourself a bit? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm Father Joseph Scholten. I'm the parochial vicar at St. Lambert Parish, and uh, I'm also the chaplain of O'Gorman Junior High School. Um, I was ordained a priest back in June of this year, along with uh, five other men, and I'm very happy to be beginning my priestly life and service here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I'm sure particularly happy to be beginning your life of priestly ministry at service at the parish of St. Lambert in particular. You got it. Okay. <laughs> so Definitely. Uh, I, I, I happen to be a member of said parish, hence my uh, confidence in Father's joy. <laughs> um, right. uh, if you haven't listened before, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Uh, married to Jermaine for over 18 years. Um, and she and I have five, by and large, fantastic children. Um, they are good. They are very good. Ontologically speaking, if not always. (laughs) (laughs) Spoken like a true Thomist. (laughs) Thank you very much. So father, we're going to take talk today. So we're, we're, we're approaching the near, excuse me. We're approaching the end of Advent. Um, this is one of those years where, because Christmas falls on, um, this coming Monday, the fourth week of Advent gets pretty short shrift this year. It does get rather curtailed. (laughs) It gets maybe a few hours. A few hours. Uh, When you really think about it. It does. Which is too bad because I love Advent. Advent is my my favorite season. Well, out of curiosity, why is that? You know, that's a good question. It's sort of like, why is your favorite color your favorite color? Well, it's hard to say. <laughs> no, but no, I, no, no. This is not nearly as. Go ahead, go ahead. You're gonna answer. Well, uh, <clears throat> not nearly as what? Intuitive. I was going to say arbitrary. Arbitrary. But color is not necessarily arbitrary either, though. No. But intuitive is probably a better word than arbitrary. It's just sort of my. Um, my, uh, yeah, just the disposition, I guess. I love, uh, I love the spiritual spirituality of Advent. I love the, uh, I love the the watching, the waiting, the uh, the way in which we are encouraged to hope. I think hope is uh, sometimes an overlooked virtue uh, in the Christian life, and and it's a little, it can be a little bit um, elusive. What does it mean to hope for something? How do I actually live in hope? That's not quite as simple as um, saying, oh, I believe this or I do this work of charity. 
I'm, I'm pointing my finger at you right you now are. because I think it's a key thing. I think if you pre- frankly, if you press to me right now, so please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the distinction between faith mm-hmm. and hope. We muddle a lot in, yes. in the the course of our Christian life. You know, what, what does it mean to have faith? We're called to have faith in God, of course. We believe in Him. We have faith in Him. That trusting faith. But then when we think about hope, we well, what's the difference between the two? And I think we might be again a little hard pressed to say what we how how our hope is different than our trusting faith that mm-hmm. way. So mm-hmm. I, I think that it, I find that an intriguing point. Sure, and uh, and it's. It's something that I think Pope Benedict addressed really well in his encyclical, uh, Spe Salvi, uh, from which the title is taken from uh, St. Paul's phrase, in hope you are saved. Um, and he gets to that distinction a little bit, but it's not a hard and fast distinction. Um, you can't really have faith without also living hope. Right. Um, although you can speak of them as, as different dispositions that incline us toward, um, toward different things. Uh, but like anything in the Christian life, it's more important to live it than to understand than it. To and that's what Advent is all about. To, living it. To help us live it. And it puts us in the in the framework, in the mindset of uh of the Old Testament, of that of that longing, that waiting for mm. God to do something right. that Israel can't do. Uh and that's what Advent is all about, and that's the position that we find ourselves in in our lives often, whether it's with a, a personal struggle with sin or uh or simply our own desire to grow in holiness or, or wanting something more that we can't quite put our finger on, but we're sort of dissatisfied. We need God to save us. We need God to act. Uh, and Advent carries with it the great promise that he does, that in Jesus he has, and that that same uh, saving event can happen and continues to happen for us today in the church. Last week, Father um, Father uh, John Rutten um, was was on ignition. Actually, last two weeks he was on ignition, but last week in particular, we were talking about how uh, so much of the way in popular culture um, we celebrate um, the, the the secular sense of the, cult, the Christmas season. These weeks now before Christmas, um, our our popular idea of Santa Claus and um, this newer. Uh, practice, for lack of a better word, of the Elf on the Shelf. Father, are you familiar with the Elf on the Shelf? I'm a little familiar with the Elf on the Shelf. Uh, maybe I don't understand it very well. It kind of creeps me out. <laughs> when I first heard about it, I'm like, is this like one of those weird Christmas horror movie kind of things? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I'm just, is he gonna, is he gonna come get me? Gonna, but, but the point that Father John was making was that too often we subtly, uh, and with the popular idea of Santa Claus as well, you better be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better uh-huh. not cry. Yeah. Um, we we twist, twist Christmas and really Christianity in general into a behavior modification plan uh-huh. <laughs> or a spiritual yeah. self-improvement plan. Hmm. And yeah. the whole point of what you were... So I'm just reminded of those uh, that, that uh-huh. episode yes. in what you were just saying. My own sanctification is first and foremost the work of God. Right. With which I cooperate. Right. So I, I'm not doing nothing, no. um, but it's his initiative and I cooperate with it. And so that means that I have to wait for him to take the initiative. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I heard a story once, uh, just to, actually just a couple of weeks ago, I heard a story of a man who is, uh, he was a recovering alcoholic and he experienced conversion. Um, and he, you know, he came to the Lord, he came to know Christ and, and, uh, 
and was striving to live the Christian life, but this was continually a struggle for him. And after years in AA, his alcoholism, alcoholism, and still didn't seem to, um, it's it, it still presented a, a a daily struggle for him. Um, even though he was he was receiving the Lord's forgiveness, he was praying, reading scripture, and everything. Um, and then something changed. He went to uh, he was at a at a Bible study, and he and they were praying with the Psalms, and he heard the line. Uh, for your love is better than wine. Mm. And then he was cured. Mm. God did something. God did something through that medium, through the words of scripture, Christ spoke to him just like he spoke to people 2000 years ago saying, be healed. Your faith has saved you. And it did. Um, we all need that in some place and to some degree, um, we all need that. And, uh, and we can improve ourselves by degrees in certain areas, but there are other things that, frankly, we're just, we're fallen people. We're right. broken people. And thanks to what happens in just a few days in Christmas, that's nothing we have to be afraid of. So I love Advent. You love Advent. So actually, we're already getting sort of into the topic of today, sort of the spirituality of Advent. Even though we might be coming here to the the final days of, of Advent for this year, we, we're hoping that we might give you something to think about uh, maybe for these last days. It's never too late to celebrate the spirit of Advent. Um, but maybe next year, uh, something that you might uh, store in the back of your mind and and draw out from that closet, if you will, uh, in, in years to come as we celebrate Advent. And that is, we've talked about this idea of, of waiting and waiting on the Lord, him taking the initiative and so on. Um, one of the, the other, I think, key words, uh, and Father, you're the one who, who, who keyed in on this, the watchword, if you will, pun, pun uh, most definitely intended, uh, the watchword for Advent is watch. Absolutely. This year, uh, the Christ begins us in Advent with the instruction to watch. That was our gospel the very first Sunday of Advent, and uh, you know, often we we get into Advent and we jump right to Christmas, or okay, we're getting ready for Christmas, we're looking forward to Christmas. But in that first gospel, here's Jesus, a grown man already, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and warning us to watch. He says, "Watch," and and that comes up consistently in the Gospels, whether it's in the parables, you know, the parable of the of the foolish and the wise virgins who are instructed to keep watch for the for the bridegroom, or the uh, or the the steward, you know, the master of the house, um, and the Lord is coming back, and He needs to watch to be ready for Him to come. And um, Christ enjoins us to to keep watch, to keep vigil. Uh, in that first in that gospel from uh, from the thirteenth chapter of Mark that we began with, Christ instructs us: "What I say to you, I say to all." Watch. Interestingly, Father, I'm struck here as, as you're making this point. Just thinking um, to prior to Advent, the, the final year, final uh, days and weeks of the church year, um, we heard similar uh, rejoinders from our Lord to be attentive and and to stand. Um, with your head erect or whatever the the, the, the the verbiage was. So the end of the church year, sort of mindful of watching, and then we begin the church year, certainly this year, mm-hmm. as you were just saying with Mark chapter 13, that first Sunday of Advent, with the call to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so when you think about that idea of of being watchful, um, actually this just, not just came up, this, this actually came up that week. Um, I'm part of a small group of guys at St. Lambert's. You've, you've uh, visited us a couple times before. And, and one of the guys said to me, what does it mean 
I said to the group, actually, what does it mean to say to watch? Yes, which is uh, a great question. I think it is. And, I, and I think uh, you have some thoughts on that. Absolutely. Well, I, um, whenever Advent comes around and I, and I hear these words uh, from our Lord, I'm brought back to a sermon that I, that I once read by uh, John Henry Newman mm. called, uh, unsurprisingly, Watching. <laughs> <laughs> so just a little background, uh, Blessed Newman uh, was an 18th, uh, 19th century Anglican uh, clergyman and professor at Oxford. Uh, in in the middle part of the 19th century, he um, began a journey into the Catholic Church. He was rejected by many of his friends and his contemporaries after a pretty successful, astonishing career as a, as a preacher and a, right. an academic. Um, but he followed his heart. He followed his conscience. He followed where uh, the Holy Spirit was leading him through his study of the church fathers and, and the history of, uh, of Christianity. Came to recognize that the Catholic Church is the true church founded by Christ and um, eventually became one of the greatest Catholic minds of the, uh, of the modern era. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a sermon that comes from his Anglican period, watching. It's, uh, it's, sermon, it's sermon number 22 in the fourth volume of his parochial and plain sermons. And Newman takes this question seriously. What does it mean to watch? Because we have a good idea of what, what it means to pray, what it means to believe, what it means to love. Those are things that Jesus instructs us to do. Right. But then he says, what does it mean to watch? And? And? <laughs> after and after setting and, things up. <laughs> and we're going to wait till after this short program break. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> you're Keep watching. You're <laughs> and waiting with bated breath. Listening, as the case listening. may be. Yes. So, yes. Uh, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and today Father Joseph Schulten is with me, and we're talking in these final days of Advent about the spirituality spirituality of Advent. Uh, we've talked a little bit about um, the idea of waiting, and now we're looking at that idea of watching, especially that we heard um, at the beginning of, of this Advent in the, the first Sunday of Advent, Mark chapter 13 was the gospel reading, our part thereof, um, in which our Lord, uh, as as you pointed out, Father, as an adult, tells us uh, very strongly to watch. Um, if you question about today's episodes, ideas for future episodes, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition. Okay, program break Father uh, is over, Father. The commercial has ended. Tell us, please, what does Newman say? What does it mean to watch? Well, he goes to Scripture right away. <clears throat> he quotes the parables, the parables of the, of the wise and foolish virgins, and uh, the parable of that steward, uh, the, uh, the imprudent, the mm. uh, selfish steward who... Um, you know, starts beating people up and uh, right. getting drunk and isn't keeping watch. And then he goes on to say, uh, he goes on to ask, and I'll just read a, a section of the sermon here. Do you know the feeling in matters of this life of expecting a friend, expecting him to come, and he delays? Do you know what it is to be an unpleasant company and to wish for the time to pass away and the hour to strike when you may be at liberty. I think we've all felt that way, right? We've, <laughs> yeah. we've been in meetings and we're just sort of, oh, you know, we're just sort of grinding our teeth and waiting for that clock to hit the, hit the right hour so that we can go do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. 
says, do you know what it is to be in anxiety? Lest something should happen which may happen or may not, or to be in suspense about some important event. And then he makes, and then he makes a, a really personal or interpersonal example, uh, which I think some of us can relate with. Do you know what it is to have a friend in a distant country, to expect news of him and to wonder from day to day what he is now doing and whether he is well? I think any mom that hmm. has had a, had a child studying, you know, studying abroad for a semester or um, a parent or a spouse of someone serving in the military can, right. can relate with that. Um, and he goes on to summarize, this then is to watch, to be detached from what is present and to live in what is unseen, to live in the thought of Christ as he came once and as he will come again, to desire his second coming from our affectionate and grateful remembrance of his first. So watching connects us back to that first event mm -hmm. uh, of Christ's incarnation of his presence and how he how he changed hearts and lives and the great love he showed for us in offering his life for us, how he introduced us to the Father um, and to the life that is promised to us by rising from the dead. Uh, and so with all of that in mind, it's the desire and the, um, the attentiveness to, to him coming again in glory. I'm, I'm struck by, I, I, um, and this is sort of a common refrain, I think, but still it's, it's worth noting that, the season of Advent and, and Christmas itself is not only looking to the first coming, but it's also, it's a celebration of his first coming, but it's also an expectation of his second coming. Um, and I think especially in Advent, um, that's borne out in some of the readings, which are looking ahead to the second coming. And so to wait watchfully, uh, as, as, as Newman is saying here, as you're, you're pointing out, means to look to both the first and the second coming. Absolutely. And to live watchfully is to, is to live in a certain way now. Um, it's not just that we're waiting for something that's going to happen eventually, we don't know when, but that, that Newman insists that that affects how we live day to day, and it affects where our heart is day to day. And that requires a certain, a certain kind of dying to ourselves or a certain kind of asceticism, um, even in Advent. Uh, waiting, like he says, means, means being detached from what is seen, and living in what is unseen. And right. it really, it really uh, forces us to ask, um, where do we place our hope? You know, is my hope each day that I, that I see Christ? Is my hope each day that, that he will come to me in, in various ways throughout the day? Um, is my hope that, uh, that I can do his will and, and live in friendship with him during the day? Or do I hope for other things detached from him, apart from him, where I think I'll, I'll get a little bit of pleasure or excitement or whatever? Right. Yeah. Um, well, as you said, where do we place our hope? Mm -hmm. I think too often, I know myself, that especially, I might do I look for pleasure or excitement apart from him. My, this reminds me, uh, my Advent reading this year has been St. Catherine of Siena. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I felt a certain uh, pull and prompting to get to know some of the saints better, and I started with her. And she makes a great point that if we, if we have ever experienced the inner sorrow, it probably is because we have stopped drinking at the well of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. That, that, that Absolutely. whether it's prompted by some circumstance or somebody else, um, but any disappointment we experience, it's because we've, we've, we've taken our eye off the Lord. We've again heard language. We've stopped drinking at at the well of living water that He offers us. I think that makes sense. It's it's living, 
in expectation of something else, something reduced, something smaller, right? And not uh, and not the fullness of life that He offers us. Uh, often, I think we um, Newman Newman says that um, most Christians or many people are, who are um, who are religious, it's not that we're we're going out and committing egregious sins, um, but it's like you said, we we take our eyes off of Him. Mm-hmm. Um, Loving God indeed, but loving this world too, he says. Um, we don't understand that we're called to be strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. Uh, and it, it, uh, it makes me think of the shepherds. Right. Who were the first to receive the good news, to receive the news that, right. uh, that the Savior is here. That right. God and everything we desire is present in a stable. Right. What's well, these poor men who are living as... Um, as uh, as pilgrims, essentially, they're living um, out in the fields, simply living as uh, uh, mendicants, if you will. Uh, they're the ones that receive and are ready to recognize him. In a certain way, they're detached from society. They're detached from uh, a pleasurable, comfortable mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But then they receive this great, great joy of the presence of God. It made me think of, uh, of uh, a couple of times when I've um, been blessed to go down to serve at the St. Francis house, which is, a, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a home here in Sioux Falls for those that are getting back on their feet from, um, from homelessness or, um, coming out of the, out of correctional facilities. And, and, uh, it's a place where they can, where they can stay, where they can save up some money and they can, they're helped to get their life in order in order to, um, find a steady place to live and, and they're helped in finding employment if they don't have that. And, so I've been down there a few times, a uh, real great blessing to be able to serve dinner down there. And the people that you meet there, uh, they're people that are watching. Mm. They're people that, you know, anyone that I, anyone that I sit with, I can, I can have a conversation. I can guarantee you that they can point to places in their life where they have met God. Mm-hmm. And that's really a remarkable statement. You know, how many, how many offices or how many homes or how many, um, how many places can you go to where you can say everybody here can really point right. to a place in their life where where they've seen God, right? Um, but but it's those that don't have, um, that are detached, that are watching. Um, no, it's going to be completely mixed metaphors. It won't make sense. But this idea <laughs> that when I'm clinging to something, I can't see something else. When, when all of my attention is focused in, on one thing, I I literally can't pay attention to anything else. So where, what is it? What are the created goods? That that are keeping my attention and distracting me from the uncreated what good, which is God Himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Father? From this, uh, we've got about four and a half minutes or so to go in this episode. Anything else from Newman's sermon? This idea of watching that you want to draw out. Newman, toward the end of the uh, toward the end of the sermon, instructs us that we have to seek His face. Uh, and any religion which doesn't bring us nearer to God is of the world. We have to seek his face, and obedience is the way that we, that we seek him. And then he reminds us that, um, that the things that we do, whether it's keeping the commandments, attending, uh, attending Mass, and um, even, even the way that we um, care for the needs in our family or the, the duties at work, all of these mundane things, uh, why do we do them? We can actually do them in obedience to him, we can actually directly relate what we do to Christ. And that's a way of keeping watch. Hmm. Um, 
Year after year passes silently, he says. Christ's coming is ever nearer than it was. And then he prays, oh, that as he comes nearer earth, may we approach nearer heaven. Life is short, death is certain, and the world to come is everlasting. That's John Henry Newman. That's how he ends it. Life is short, death is certain, and the world to come is everlasting. Amen. <laughs> Amen. A little chilling as we approach Christmas. But the good news is that uh, when we watch, when we live with this attitude, what marvelous things do we see? You know, what did the shepherds get to see? And what might we get to see uh, if we live this way as well? Can you, is there anything in your own life that you can point to what have you seen when you've uh, lived this way, when you've lived as the shepherds, as the mendicants? I wish I lived this way more often. Mm. Uh, frankly, it's always easy to get comfortable. Right. Um, but I do, I do remember, um, I was on a pilgrimage. Uh, I was with some guys I was in college seminary. We were doing a pilgrimage. We were walking, um, from one, from one town to another is, is about a five day, uh, pilgrimage on foot. And we got caught in a blizzard. Mm. Uh, blizzard was not supposed to happen. <laughs> that was, um, not, not a part of the plan, not in the cards. We were totally unprepared. Uh, you know, no snow boots or hats wow. or anything. And I was, I walked with a, uh, the guys made fun of me cause I was walking with a t-shirt tied around my head. Cause I was afraid I was going to get frostbite on my ears. <laughs> I looked, I looked great. I'm sure you did. So, uh, so we, we drug ourselves into this, uh, into this, into this stone cold, icy little church, uh, at the end of one day. And we were just worn out, you know, we were walking through sleet and snow and ice and, and uh, and we'd heard that there was a convent uh, a mile down the road that we could stay at, but it was a mile away mm. at the end of the day. And uh, it was winter, and so their guest house was closed, and they didn't have any heat or running water. So that didn't really sound appealing. Yeah. So we're sitting in the back of this church. We, you know, some of us went to Mass, because uh, Mass was about to start. Now, right there, Mass was about to start. Uh, right there, I recognized that something was up, because that morning, we weren't able to make it to, to Mass. Uh, it had been canceled because of the blizzard. And so I prayed, I had prayed for two things, that we find a place to stay and that we get to, that we make it to mass that day. Well, we made it to mass and mass was starting right as we got there. And then uh, at the end of mass, this lady came up to us. She asked what our, what the deal was. Why we, a bunch of these, we were a bunch of crazy people in the back of their church for mass. And, um, and she, she found out our situation and she said, well, I'll call my son. turns out that this lady who was at daily mass had a son who owned a, uh, a hotel that was right across the street. Mm. It was closed for the winter because, wow. you know, nobody stays in hotels over the winter. Uh, <laughs> but she called him. He came. He opened it up. He made us some dinner, turned on the heat, turned on and you know, opened up some rooms. Uh, I was really brought to a place of poverty. But from that place of poverty, someone else was able to provide. I was able to recognize divine generosity uh, from that position. And so... Um, so when we're beggars, uh, when we're watchful, recognizing we don't have what we need, that's when Christ can come to us. Amen. Thank you, Father. That will wrap, us up, wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. If you have any questions about today, today's episode or ideas for future ones. And until next time, dear listeners. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. 
click on media and then audio files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.